down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. Hello. That was Mayor John Mitchell. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I always, I always like uh, seeing a mayor. Yeah. Um, we have a good time off the air, too. Yes, we do. Yeah. But you can't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're actually here with our second guest of the evening, and we're, we're taking your calls, too, and he'll take your calls at 508-996-0500 if you'd like to ask him a question. Uh, Justin Thurber, um, rep candidate for the 5th Bristol District. Justin, how are you? Wonderful. Yourself? Uh, good, good. Um before we get started, if you could just introduce yourself to the audience and, and tell us why you decided to run for state rep. Sure. So um, I was in the military for 29 years. And while I was in the military, um, a lot of people liked my leadership style. And I always got the comments that, oh, you'd be great at politics. And I always put that in the back of my, my head. Um, and I always loved being in the military because one of the biggest advantages of it is service before self it was the air force one of the air force models okay and i loved when i put the uniform on it was about getting a job done working with people from all over the country all different backgrounds actually even all around the world um so last year in october i was forced to retire because i didn't get the vaccine which listen they have their rules and that's what they said so i got out right um but then what happened is a couple of the guys that I knew when I when I was getting kicked out, they're like I was giving them a little speech and they're like, I would run through a wall for you, chief. Um, have you ever thought about doing politics? And I said, well, I've, people, a lot of times people say I'd be good at it. So I said, I've thought about it in the past, if I'm being honest, but being uh, in the military, I never wanted to do it because I never wanted to have the chance of being activated and not right. be able to do my job. Uh, so... You know, a couple months later, one of those airmen reached out to me because he was a good friend of Jim Lyons, and they were okay. looking for someone to run in the Bristol 5th, and they said, hey, do you want to run? And I said, yeah, I'll run. Uh, so they contacted me, and because I was unenrolled, as about 60% of all of people in Massachusetts are unenrolled, uh, I had to, you know, register as a Republican. And then because that created some issues with, you know, how late I registered, um, I had to do a writing campaign. And because of that, they, they put me on hold. They said, listen, if another Republican steps up that's already registered, um, we're going to go with them. But if they don't, what we'll do is we'll let you know. So um, in June. Oh, go they kind of left you on a lurch there, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 I'll tell you what, because for, for like two months. If I don't have a date to the prom, I'll <laughs> take you. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it, yeah. How'd that feel, Justin? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I, I tell you, it, it was funny because, you know, I was, I was thinking I might run, right? So when you're thinking you might run, you start planning some things. And, like, what, it, what would it look like? How would I be able to do things? Who do I know? All those type of things. So I always kept them in the back of my head. Um, but towards the end of June, I thought, well, they must have found someone. I didn't hear anything. Um so I'm standing at a soccer game, watching my son play soccer, and I get a text message with a picture that I guess the Mass GOP put on Facebook that was a picture of uh, my opponent. 
saying she voted for illegals to have driver's license and Justin Thurber's going to stop her. And I go, I guess I'm running. <laughs> so so uh, if you're on, I, I see some calls on the line. Just stay uh, stay put. We'll, we'll get to you at 508-996-0500. You can call in and ask Mr. Thurber a question if you'd like. Uh, but since you talked about your opponent, Rep Haddad, um, what are some of the differences between you and Rep Haddad? Well, there's there's a lot of differences. And when I started out, basically the first uh, 10 weeks, I was trying to get on the on the ballot. So I had to do a writing campaign. When I was doing a writing campaign, most of my focus was on that, but I was also focusing, you know, when I got on the ballot, what are our differences, like you asked. And a lot of it is, I think what happens is because no one has run against her in 22 years almost, that she has started being the um, politics over the people. She started putting the politics over the people. So whatever the... State House, the people in the State House wanted, she would go for, right? So when I said, and I talked to my constituents and I said, hey, listen, did you know that she voted against seniors getting tax breaks? Did you know she voted for illegals getting driver's license? Do you know she voted? And I go through their record and they sit there and they look at you. And that was one of the best things on the primary day uh, because I was doing a writing campaign. I had business cards that I hand out and I'd ask people, are you pulling a Democrat or a Republican uh, ballot? And if they said Republican, I'd just hand them a card and say, hey, can you vote for me? And I'd give them the instructions. And if it was a Democrat, I would still talk to some of them. You know, some want to talk, some don't. And uh, they like, I would never vote for you. And I'm like, that's fine. I go, but you don't have to vote for Pat either. And they would look at you. And I'd say, well, do you know this, this, this? And I'd go through the list of things that she's done recently. And they'd say, no. And I'll have to look into that. So I think it was a Washington Post in 2019 that had that uh, – that headline that said democracy dies in darkness and i think that's one of the things that when we let our political system not have uh opponents or people go against each other then people are able to do whatever the heck they want republicans citing the washington post I know, right? <laughs> so, so, so justin just for because a lot of people aren't familiar with the names of the districts the eighth whatever what towns does this encompass sure so it's about half of swansea massachusetts uh all of somerset all of dighton and a little bit of taunton the Ware section of taunton 508 that's a pretty good district for for a republican i would it say seems like it yeah, yeah it's it, it, it that's one of the biggest challenges i i tell people i'm going to have two challenges one in getting the record out to say hey listen this is what the record is it is what it is if you're comfortable with that because understandably there are people that are comfortable with not people not getting tax breaks. They want the government to take care of, you know, all these social programs. So I understand that. Um, but also the other issue I have is letting people know that it's a very conservative area. And if they come out to vote, I win. Right. Right. So that's that's what you have to do, because I think the mentality of people in Massachusetts is a Republican can't win. I, I would agree with you on that. Oh, um, we had a call, but they dropped off. Impatient. So, so well, keep, keep, I, know you, I know you mentioned you said you, you were a career Air Force man. Correct. Um, tell us a little bit more about you. So, um, you know what's funny is when I got into this, I was benchmarking other candidates just to see you know, what they're doing, how I'd want to do things. Um, and I found one, Raymond G. He's running for a state rep in Massachusetts. And one thing that I like that he said, and it really impacted me, is he said he was the American dream. He came over here as an immigrant. He worked. He made a life for himself, and he's very prosperous in America. And, it, and, and it's funny because I sat there, and I always want to tell people, listen, I grew up, and I was really poor, really poor. But I knew people that were poor, right? And then I went to the military. I put myself through college. I got a degree. You know, I, I had 
I, I had opportunities, right. right, to build something. And I always like I love to tell that story because I'm like, oh, that's unique, that's different. I I struggled to make it, and then I start realizing that that is actually something that happens a lot. Yes, right. Like I I went to the military, I put myself through um, community college, and then I went to Bryant College where I got a degree. Right. What do you do for a living now? You said you 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 left the military after the vaccine mandate. I left the military. So here again, here is a blessing. So when I graduated college, I worked for Putnam Investment, State Street Bank. Um, I quit State Street Bank because we had our second child and the hours weren't working. Yeah. And my wife was a well is a school teacher, and um, we decided, hey, listen, I like that you have time off. I want to have time off. I'm going to go back to uh, to college to become a school teacher. Uh, but over that summer, something happened where she got pregnant again. I don't know how. So I can explain to you in the break okay, what happened. Thank anyway. you. Oh, thank you. So, so we we didn't think it would be fair to um, have my in laws watch the kids, watch three kids at that time. So, because I'm good with money, uh, what we did is I said I'll be a stay at home dad. And as I tell everybody, that was the hardest but most rewarding job I've ever had in my life. And I give anyone that does it so much credit and and they'll sit there and tell you i used to go as a chief tell my guys at the base um you know what that base commander when he goes home his kids tell him no and tell him where to go (laughs) right and and that's okay they don't listen so as a chief i go tell my guys what to do they do it right right but your kids don't so it's a difficult (laughs) job um so yeah i was a stay-at-home dad i got into the hvac industry um in January, and because of the economy, uh, about yeah. seven weeks ago, I was laid off. We're not getting materials because supply chain issues. Um, I think a lot of businesses are starting to get scared because of inflation. It was crazy when we'd order equipment, and then you'd <clears throat> you'd have to wait like a 30-day lead time, and then when you get the equipment, it costs even more money. So as a lot of businesses sitting there struggling, and when I was hired, I was hired because they wanted to grow the company sure. back in January, and then eight months later... They're like, this isn't sustainable. I think things are going to get worse. So a lot of businesses are, are retreating. They're they're holding back from their capital projects. So it's it's affecting everyone. So right now I'm unemployed. I'm hoping to get employed by getting elected as a state rep. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> That's you and Jeff Deal. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> are you supporting Jeff Deal in this election? So, yeah, it, the, here's a funny thing about that. I, I will admit, because I heard when you, when you spoke with Evan that you pressured him. I, I voted for uh, Jeff Deal on Election Day when I was handing out cards. Like some of the Republicans wanted to know. They were like, hey, are you voting for Deal or Doty, uh, right? And I'm mm-hmm. like, does it matter? It did. It still does. <laughs> it, it did to some people. But, yeah. to, but to me, to me, it doesn't because as I told people, Tomorrow, whoever the candidate is, is who I'm supporting. Okay. Right? And, and again, it, it's funny. I have these discussions. I've worked with some other representatives. Like I said, I'm trying to benchmark off other people, learn. I've only been in this for 11 or 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was asking one of them, Angel Pinto, who was running in Fall River. I said, hey, listen, you've heard of a rhino. He's like, yeah. I go, have you heard of a dino? He's like, no. And I go, you know why you don't hear of a dino? Because Democrats are smart enough to not allow themselves to be divided. And I go, that's where we lose here. I go, if you're a Republican, I want as many Republicans. I don't care if you're a rhino. I don't care if you're not. And I know some people take issue with that. Why did you vote for Jeff Deal in the primary? Why, uh, because I met him. 
I met him. I, I spoke to him. Also, Leah Allen has a very similar story to my wife. My wife was one of three teachers fired in Rhode Island okay. for not getting the shot. So um, I believe a lot of the things they stand for with uh, against mandates with giving parental rights. Okay. So we're speaking with Justin Thurber, a candidate for state rep. Um, back to more of the localized stuff. Uh, you live in. You're from Somerset, correct? Uh, the president just made a visit to Somerset to Brayton Point um, because it's going to Brayton Point. Essentially, is going to be my understanding uh, a charging station for offshore wind. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Do you support? Are you, do you support that? Are you against it? Would you like to see some other uses for Brayton Point? So I I support that. Um, and I've spoken to a lot of people in Somerset about that, and I know there's a bunch of businesses that are. Uh, interested in moving their operations there. And I think what happens is in that area, they've been burned a couple times. Yeah. So as long as the businesses that come there do what they say they're going to do and not do other things, I think I'm all for that. I want to support that industry. Um, the one thing I do, it's it's funny, just living there, and you know some of the inside baseball is that whole area was having a huge issue. I don't know how familiar you are with what happened there, is um, after they, they took down the cooling towers. Right. There was a CDC company that came in, and I guess they gave the land to us, a metal scrapping company. Right. Yeah. So, yes. So, the people in that area had to fight it. Yeah. So, to me, to me, it's kind of funny. Like, nation, nationwide, when they're seeing the president there say, we're going to do these great things, it's good. And government's going to do all this stuff. But it was the people that had to fight to get it to that point. So that's that's one of those contradictions that you know it, it, it's the inside baseball we know that but it's kind of one of those. What you're saying is if it wasn't for the people that fought the scrap metal company, then the President Biden would have never made the appearance Correct. there because it would have been a different function. Correct. Interesting. Correct. Yeah. Um, you you said you were a career Air Force guy, which I applaud. The um, what um, what's your stance on some of the issues, such as? Um, property taxes, one of the big things is Proposition 2.5, right? Yes. Protecting Proposition 2.5. Every year the legislature has various proposals from various interest groups to try to scrap Prop 2.5, which is what's kept the cap on Correct. you know, property taxes. How do you feel about supporting Prop 2.5? Oh, I, I am a big supporter of that. I'm also a big supporter of uh, being a fiduciary for the money that we have. I think what happens is... And again, getting into this and looking into how it how it works, how this whole political process works, I think what happens is a lot of politicians see bills as a bill, as a standalone issue. They don't look at the cumulative effect of everything that they're doing. And I think sometimes, too, maybe because how we're broken down and we have uh, towns and then we have state representatives that we sometimes forget that, listen, this town needs this capital project over here and that's going to cost this money. And then, hey, we're going to raise taxes over here. Then I'm going to raise taxes over here. I was talking to a business owner today, and he's like, I had to raise my hourly rate from 85 to $115 an hour. And he's like, the only person that's making more money is the government. Right. Right? And, and, and this is the thing. And, and so now things are costing more because I think what happens is when you're looking at bills or you're looking at uh, taxing or you're looking at fees – you're looking at them as one thing, but as an individual, as a homeowner, as a resident of a town, you're sitting there going, oh, my gosh, the water bill is this. Now I got the trash bill, and then they want to charge me this fee. And then in Somerset, they want to um, build a new middle school, and it was going to be cost overruns because everything's getting more expensive. 
So, you know, some of the townspeople said, hey, listen, it's just the price of a coffee. But as another townsperson got up, yeah, this this is a coffee. But then we have that. That's a coffee. And that's a coffee. So all these things add up. And I think what happens is we have to take a step back sometime. I think what happens is a lot of politicians, like I said, they get caught up in going, it seems to me, up to Boston, hobnobbing up there, getting in with those people and leaving their constituents behind. And I, I see that as a big problem in a lot of uh, industries. You have a lot of people in leadership roles who the power goes to their head, which is very easy to do, and they forget the most important thing, which is their people. Um, well, what's your website if people want to get in touch with you? Sure. It's uh, www.justinthurber.com. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. I'm Marcus. I'm Chris. And we're joined with uh, by state rep candidate Republican Justin Thurber. He's running against Pat Haddad over in Somerset. We're also taking your calls if you want to call in and ask Justin a question at 508-996-0500. I've got, I've got a question for you. I just checked your OCPF. Looks like you've got a couple grand in the bank. Pat Haddad, I believe, has close to $100,000 in the bank. $138,000. $138,000 in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> hopefully she'll leave it there, John. Yeah, well, uh, well, that's that, so. That's my question: is is how how can you? What's your path to victory? Um, this, if you don't have the the funds to move your message, sure. So the the path to victory is to meet with the people, get in front of the people's, um, get in front of people, talk to them. I've also, like I said, I've reached out to some RTCs. Mm-hmm. And the RTCs already have bases. Now, like I said before, we were talking about before how these areas are very highly conservative. Right. Right? So the Dayton RTC is really strong. Taunton RTC is really strong. Somerset RTC, um, there's some issues, but we're working through them. And Swansea has the same issues. Um, but there are people in there that know other people. And that's what I did. I said, how do I get to the people that can do some work? can help me out so that's what i've been doing i you know when you don't have money you have to have contingencies for everything so you right. gotta you gotta plan for different um eventualities and that's one of the biggest things lately it's funny is um a couple of weeks ago people are like you need to do more work i go what do you mean i need to do more work right i i i built my own website i designed my own logos i designed my yard signs i designed my uh, push cards my mailers all the other stuff I'm doing my social media. Like I'm doing everything. How are you paying for the mailers and the signs if you don't have a? If you only have a couple thousand on the bank? Uh, well, that remember that that's always a month behind. Okay, so it's okay. It's, a, it's a month behind. And All again, right. so here here was the struggle, right? As a write-in candidate, and again, this is stuff I'm I'm learning. As a write-in candidate, not a lot of people want to support you. No. Yeah. Right. There's support. What? Like, what are you going to do for? Well, me? we wouldn't have had you on the radio until you got on the ballot. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. yeah. So, so then you get, then my treasurer is like, oh, wait till you get on a ballot. A lot of money will come in. So I got on a ballot, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he the, lied. I know the money wasn't coming in. And I get, I guess, a couple weeks ago is when people started realizing, right? Because now there's that scuttlebutt out there. There's people talking. I'm going places, and people are like, I know who you are. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I had a lady at a soccer game the other day. She comes up to me, and I never met her before. And she's like, I read a lot of good things about you. And she kept walking like, wait, wait, what are you, who are you? Right. Right? And how did you find out and stuff? So, um, you know, a lot of my signs had my websites on it. I did a lot of social media. I I pumped a lot of things out. I had a lot of shares. I've been on the news, uh, in the papers. I've been on the radio. Um, Tomorrow I have a a TV show interview to go to. So like I said, I'm trying to do a lot of things that are lower cost to me to be smart, to amplify my message. 
right? And um, it's improvise, adapt, and overcome. That's what yep, we learned. There you go. <laughs> That's we learned the military. So nice pivot. Nice pivot. You know, look, look. You are enthusiastic. You, you do seem like a nice guy. You're a yeah. family guy. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people that want to help you. You know, because they go, this, this guy jumped into this race. He's trying to do it for us. So let's try to help him out. Correct. Um, how, what's your website again? www.justintherber.com. So let's let's let we haven't gotten really. We talked a little bit about Prop Two and a Half. We haven't gotten into the issues yet. Sure. Work and Family Mobility Act. You said that one of the things that you first heard about your campaign was the state party saying you're going to fight Pat Haddad on getting rid of this on on um you know or or join the fight in repealing this bill that that Pat Haddad voted for. The so, illegal, yeah. So right. So what's your position on the Work and Family Family Mobility Act, the driver's license bill? Why do you think it should be repealed? For, there's actually a couple reasons, and it's funny. I always tell people uh, this hits close to home because my uh, sister-in-law... Don't tell me you're an illegal alien. No, no. no <laughs> <laughs> my sister-in-law, my brother also joined the military, and he, he was in Italy, and he married a woman from Italy, mm-hmm. um, and she had to go through the proper channels. Right. It was years and thousands of dollars, and if you want to see anyone that's ticked off about that, you go talk to her, right? Yeah. So that's one of those things I, I say. I'm like, we have a process in place. We have a, a way of doing things. And how come we can s- skirt some laws and not other laws? So uh, I would also say, as, I, as Evan Gendro had said earlier, too, is having all the infrastructure in place to deal with, having all the documentation to to go through to to identify who these people are that's another concern the amount of money we're going to have to spend we, uh, i was i heard this number i don't know how true it is because you know you hear a lot of things but i heard we spend 2.5 billion dollars on illegals in massachusetts a year 2.5 billion, billion of, a, of a 40 and, and and what does that mean spend money on illegals well that well that means it's a, it's a 47 billion dollar budget that's a significant amount of the budget so yes. what are they spending it on illegals for oh i'm i'm sure all the uh social services the uh, english as a second language programs that they have all the other programs probably that counts to having everything in different languages all all those other expenses that like we don't sit here and and look at right and again english as a second language is for american citizens too not just undocumented immigrants sure people from puerto rico that come up to new bedford and they and they need uh, english as a second language uh, classes and in fall river sure and again i i would say like some of that probably encompasses that However, we're just going to add more and more expenses, right? There's, there's not like it's not going to be an expense to do this program. So we add that expense, we add the time, we add the, the, the paperwork. The again, everyone hates going to the DMV, and now you're going to have to go there, and then it's going to frustrate people. Like I have to bring all this stuff, and this person doesn't have any paperwork, and they're getting it, right? And then, like I said, I well, think, they'd have to, right, to get the license. Yeah, they would have to, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't. How do we verify? Right. Okay. Right. How do we verify? I think that's the key to the issue is we are going to have to build a hell of an infrastructure to verify all these foreign documents. Correct. But, and, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No. And, and like I said, I think I think a lot of times when when politicians look at um, look at solving problems, right? It's it's kind of sometimes they like, hey, this will work without actually doing the big picture thinking, right? And a lot of times what they use is they use either laws or they use more taxes or we're just going to throw money at it and it's going to work. Right. 
And I think what happens is sometimes you need to have those discussions, right? And I, what I like about this is I like that it went out, it's going to be on the ballot, right? So people are going to be able to actually vote on it. And that's why I like. So, so when you're, if let's say you get elected to the state legislature, you work, some, you, know, you, work with, you work with Brad Jones, you work with the Democratic caucus, you get, you get a bill passed, you, know, you, you, you spend years maybe on, on certain legislation. It goes through committees, um, you spend you know, 12 hours in hearings, you get a bill passed, you would like it if people who didn't spend as much time on this issue as you did, the people that sent you to the legislature, would get to just vitiate your work right there, to just veto it at the ballot. Well, I would, I would hope what would happen, and this is where things I think need to change as a representative, because representative is in the name, right? So uh, what I would hope would happen is during that time of those studies, of those meetings, is that those representatives would go back to their people and say, this is things we're working on. How do you feel about it? And if their people said, listen, we're not for that. For this, this, this reason, what you do is you take those back up and say, listen, my, my constituents don't want this because this, this. Is there a way we can help solve that problem? Or it's a no starter for me. And I think, again, I think that's where there's this disconnect, right? Is a lot of times... I think politicians, like I said earlier, sometimes people in power, they think they know what's best. They think they know what their people want without ever reaching out to their people or constituents. I saw it all the time. I used to deal with this all the time as a chief in the military. My job was the enlisted troops. And I would be in their face asking them questions all the time. What's this? What's that? What do you need? How can I help you out? And I go to my boss. Oh, they don't need that. They need this. And I'm telling you, sir, this is what they need. No, I know. And I think that's a problem. I think sometimes there are people out there in positions that think they know best. And what we really need to get back, what I want to get back to is I want to get back to that servant leadership where what happens as a representative, I would like to be the benchmark. Hey, I'm going up to the state house. These are bills that they're working on. What do you think? I would go to the towns. I go to town meetings. I go tell people. I put it on my website. I put it on my Facebook. I get out there. I engage people and say, what are your concerns? Because you know what? There's a lot of times there's blind spots we have. There is. Like, I think this is a great idea, but you don't see this blind spot. You might talk to someone they said, did you ever think about this? And you're like, oh, man, no. We're speaking with Justin Thurber, who's a candidate for um, state representative of the Republican against Pat Haddad. <clears throat> um, so I think you said you married, you have three kids? Three kids, correct. Um, obviously, you want to have your kids to have a, a better future, right? Uh, you, you said he came up pretty tough. What if he said no? No, I don't. <laughs> Actually, sometimes I wish they did have a worse life because I had a tough life. Well, keep in politics, they will. I know, right? <laughs> Maybe we should get out now. <laughs> but, but again, my, my wife, uh, they converted a porch, and her and her brother lived in that. You know, I grew up poor. Um, my kids don't experience that, so they take a lot of things for granted. So sometimes my wife and I talk, and we're like, sometimes I really wish they had it harder. They would have a different perspective. They know how to fight a little more. And we try our best to do that. And you lock them outside. <laughs> <laughs> I, know this, I know some parents I think we're really they? different kids. Uh, I have a soon-to-be 18-year-old daughter. She's at Liberty University. Oh, really? Yeah. I have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old son. So we're speaking with Justin Thurber, um, uh, Republican candidate for state rep. I do want to get back on the driver's license sure. bill issue for, for one more question. Sure. So um, the principle of the bill is that there are people out there driving that are driving without a license. 
they are unable to get their license because of their immigration status. This law solves the problem to help people not only get a license but get insured. So there's better trained drivers on the road who are insured in case of a car accident. So do you think that the principle is uh, a goal that's worth achieving or do you not want to have any opportunity for people who are living here uh, um, undocumented to get a driver's license? Sure. So, so like I said before, I, I think what has to happen is there was a problem and they threw together a solution that I think needs to be fleshed out better. Okay. It, it really needs to be fleshed out. Now, what that looks like, how that happens, I would have to, like I said, talk to my so, people, go through. So you'd want to just toss out the law instead of trying to maybe add some, you know, like maybe in the next session you want to say, well, let's put this, let's put this amendment here to add more resources to, to the DMV or, you know, let's add, let's, let's maybe pair, like work with the auditor's office to try to help this. Like you'd rather just wholesale throw the law out and start from scratch. Yes, because, because as you just said, right, like add more resources, do more of this. That's where the due diligence isn't happening. That's where I think a lot of people get frustrated is a lot of times there is laws passed or things put in place. And I know there's committee meetings and all the – Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, No, there's committee meetings and they they discuss this stuff. But again, obviously, if there's people out there that have issues and there's things that could be fixed and we're sitting here that there's potential issues that we could be fixed, there's things that need to be fixed. So do we just have laws that are kind of – kind of work and then we can fix them later or do we say how do we do it better and that's i think that's what we need to start doing like how do we do it better because a lot so of times these of, laws don't get revisited so instead of as a state rep instead of trying to make improvement on existing laws you'd rather just fully repeal them and start from scratch well we're, we're, we're discussing this law right and it's on the ballot so people will be able to vote right right and and, and again like i said i think in the future what we probably should do is have a um representatives do a better job of listening to their people, seeing what they want, and actually putting a good law in place. I mean, again, I hate to go back to the military, but there's a lot of times in the military... We oh, you have, should. You should keep doing it. Oh, okay. <laughs> in the, in, in the good mil- for your campaign. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So in the military, a lot, a lot of times what happens is, is, is the same things, is they throw something out because something happens, and then what happens is it takes years and years and years to fix, right? <laughs> right. But day one, when they throw it out, like everyone that's going to that meeting is like, this is horrible. You could do this, this, and this to fix it. But it takes so long for that process to happen that sometimes, like I said, sometimes you would just wish that they would take a step back for a second, right? Look at what they're doing and then do it correctly, right? So there was a whole um, discrimination a couple years ago. There was a big thing about discrimination and, you know, Black Lives Matter in the military. The military really wants to get ahead of it, right? And police brutality. So they threw this training out, and again, there is a kinship usually between the military and police officers, and they came out, and it was horrible. It was horrible. Now, you knew what they were trying to do, but it was horrible because it was rushed, and they were trying to solve a quick problem. Now, two years later, it's better, right? But what happened is they ticked off a lot of people. They had a lot of people sitting in these classes, sitting here saying, listen, I was told that when I come in here and I put this uniform on, I'm a soldier, and that's my brother. Right Now what you're sitting here is telling me that I have to look at this person different. I have to do this. I have to do this. Police on this base. I have to treat this way. Like, this doesn't compute to me. What the heck is going on? Right? And again, it's because you had a bunch of people in positions of authority say, we know how to fix this, and they threw something out there. Right? The first thing I learned in the military is, 
there was no difference between me and the other guy. No. Right? I was a private. They were a private. Get used to it, right? And, and again, that's another thing I like to speak about, uh, some sort of differences. I don't know if we were going to speak about that. Um, but I think how I'm different as a as a politician, as I guess I'm going to become a politician, right, is that I don't see Democrats or independents as my enemy. Right. I don't. I want to talk to them. So, for example, on primary day, uh, it was raining out. I had a pop-up tent, and there were some other candidates, people's holding signs for Democrats. And I'm like, hey. If you want to come under my tent, you can come under my tent. And I had some people come by, and they had some issue with that. They're like, you're a Republican. They're a Democrat. Why are they under your tent? I said, listen, you take that sign away from them, they're my constituent. Right. Right. right? They're an American citizen. we got to stop with this division. I can't. That's one of the biggest things I can't stand is the division. And I don't want that world for my kids either. Like I, 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 I hate to say I like a world like the military where, listen, you put that all aside and just – all work towards a common objectives for the betterment of man. I mean, I don't know if that seems too pie in the sky, but that's something I want. And, and that's something I'll work for. And if I'm elected, if people elect me, that's, like I said earlier, I want to be the benchmark. I want people to sit there and say, hey, listen, Justin Thurber is what a representative should be. It's in the name. He represents all of us. Does that mean everyone gets what they want? But, no. but um, Justin, I have a question for you. Um, sure. Can you represent the angry people that don't like Pat Haddad and, and say something bad about her? <laughs> no, no. I mean, in other words, yeah. what, what differences do you have with her? What differences? Yeah. Well, obviously, outside of um, the political and how she votes, right? Um, yeah, that's all that matters, I would say. Yeah. Not that you don't like her dress or something. No. But, right. I, so I've, I've personally never met Pat Haddad. I've seen her around a couple times. Um, you know, a lot of people like her, right? A lot of people are friends with her. And, and again, that's one of those things. Like if there's people that are friends with other people, I could potentially be friends with that person. She couldn't get elected if she wasn't a nice person. Right. 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 Or, or had some And if problems. you're not, you know, you come off as a very nice, genuine guy. So it's going to be in your favor. That. I appreciate yeah. that. And, and, and again, I, I think the differences are, are policy differences. I also think um, Nancy Pelosi said it best when she said, in some areas in California, you could put a glass of water, put a D on it and it would win. Right. Right. <laughs> So the way I look at it is we shouldn't have politicians or representatives that that's how it works. Are you saying that Pat Haddad has only uh, only been elected uh, because she's a Democrat? Uh, I No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is is what she's doing now, right, anyone could do, right? Because I think what happens is you, you put anyone in there that goes up as a Democrat, and if they just vote lockstep with the Democrats all the time— that's what she's doing. Well, what if you're taking your marching orders from Brad Jones and you're just voting against everything? Well, You'll lose on everything. <laughs> Listen, so so let me ask you a question. I mean, seriously, I mean, no, so, so what do you? So what, I, are you, what are you going to? What I, are you going to do differently? Let me, let me answer this question really quick. And again, I might I might be naive, right? But I had someone um, I was talking to the other day, and they said I, I know someone that was a Democrat, and as soon as they got elected, the first thing they were told is, if you don't vote with us, you're out. Right, that, that's You're probably right. true. That's yeah. Yeah. So, so here's here's my thing with it because I've been told that already. Like I told people that they wanted to give me money, and I'm like, if you don't do what we say, we're going to get you out. This is <laughs> this is what I say, right? If I am a representative, and I represent all my people in my whole district, when it comes time for reelection, bring it, bring it. That that's that should be the response, right? Because here's the deal. Yes, you could take someone with a lot of money. You could get another candidate to come up to go against me. But if my people that I represent know that, have fun. Right. Have fun. And that's, I think that's the, that's the way it should work. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
New Bedford's News Talk Station. With uh, state rep candidate uh, Justin Thurber. Um, and uh, I, got, I got a question. Um, so this is, a, this is an issue that's, uh, it's unfortunately an issue. But uh, the Supreme Court um, brought Roe v. Wade back to the states. They overturned Roe v. Wade, brought abortion back to the states. We have strong abortion protections here, but there are people in other states that don't. Um, so they might come here for refuge if they're in need of a safe, uh, safe medical procedures that I think a lot of people, most people in the country feel they, they should have the right to, uh, to, to access. Are you supportive of the Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe v. Wade? And would you, in the state house, vote in favor or against added protections uh, for um, abortions? Yeah, so I definitely support the Supreme Court's decision because it allowed for the states to have the right to choose, okay. right? So, again, I'm, I'm a big choice type person, right? Yeah. And then the second part of that question... But they're it, choosing for other people. What do you right? mean? They're choosing... The states have a right to choose whether or not women should be basically forced into uh, childbirth, aren't they? Well, I don't, I don't want to get into the taking whole, the choice away. The, the whole forced and stuff like that, that's, that's one of those... That's the issue. Well, if, if if it's a force, then it's not a choice. Right. Right? Yeah. But I don't think everyone that, that has a, a pregnancy is getting forced. But to your, to your second point, um, again, with being the representative, right, from my district, when you go out and talk to people, the Roe Act allows women up to 24 weeks to get an abortion. Most people don't like it that far. Most people don't. Right? Most people don't like the fact that a 16-year-old without parents' permission can go get an abortion. Right? Right? Because here you go, your 16-year-old gets an abortion, and then something happens. They have complications because of it. Now you're on the hook for it as a family. So these, like I said, these are the things I think we need to have these discussions. These discussions are good. And if I went to my town and said, hey, listen, this is what we're voting on, or this is what you have, and people are like, listen, we want 15 weeks, I would go up there and say it's 15 weeks. Now if other towns want 24 and it's 24 and that's what it gets, that's what it gets. Right? Personally, I'm against abortion. I'm pro-life, right? I, I'm, I'm for the sanctity of life outside of, like you said, when there's a, not a choice. You know, rape, incest, those type of things to me aren't a choice, right? And here's, here's one of the things that I think what we have to start doing too because you kind of, Marcus, you kind of did a little bit and it's, it's starting to be a thing that I don't like the direction we're going is we're changing, we're changing the words, we're changing um, how things work and don't work. Right. For example, now you hear a lot that it's a it's a clump of cells or it's uh, not sustainable outside of the womb and all these other things. Right. Like it's not just a clump of cells. Right. It's not um, a parasite. Right. We have to be honest. Why can't we be honest? Right. And here's the other thing that I don't like about this. I think I think abortion is one of those political issues. That's just a political football to trip up Republicans. Or to trip I mean, up- it's not. It's a, it's a fundamental health care decision for a lot of people. It, it is. It is a fundamental health care decision. But again, there is also and one that can literally save a life again and take one and, and take, take one. one. <laughs> right. But but the thing is, like, that's that's where that's where we always we always fight these battles on the extremes. Right. When when it says that you a, 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 a woman can lose her life. Yes. In that situation, I wouldn't want to have to make that decision. But I understand, like, listen, if it's the life of the baby or the life of the, the pregnant woman. Yes. You should have it. If you were raped, yes, right? Because it wasn't your choice, okay? But again, that's personally, I think what happens is the words that we're starting to use, how we're starting to frame this, 
I see what's going to happen is long term, it's going to have bad repercussions. We have to be honest in these things. And again, my position as a representative, and again, why I want to be different as a representative, is I want to go to the people of my district and say, what are your feelings on this? What do you want me to do? Right? How much has um, being a parent, raising a, a daughter, at least one daughter, I think, from right. I picked up yep. conversation, yep. <clears throat> influence your decision, um, particularly on the parental notification, that the fact that that law, they want to allow 16-year-olds to not notify their parents. We had a Democrat representative in here mm-hmm. who said, look, I got to I gotta get my doctor, my kid's doctor has to ask me before they fill a cavity, never mind an abortion. Correct. Um, and he voted against it. Yes. How much has that influenced your thinking? Well, it definitely influenced my thinking. And here's another thing I think that's a lot of people are concerned about that I talk about is this government governmental overreach, right? And I had one story someone said where we were doing that uh, middle school. And my opponent, she got up and she's like, think about the children, right? And it's funny. Sometimes they use children in a certain way to get things they want. And then sometimes they're your children. And sometimes the government sees them as their children. And we're going to teach them this. Or we're going to allow them to do this outside of your control. And I think a lot of parents are starting to catch on to that. And I think a lot of parents really like, hey, I am the parent. The government isn't the parent. Let me parent, right? So... Again, these are the things that if, if we're dishonest, if we play to the, out, the extremes, right? Like, oh, what about this situation? Yeah, there are those situations. But can we talk about we had years of sex ed. There's all these things you can do, all these things out there that can help. Why aren't those working? What can we do to make things better? And I think what has to happen, I think most people are reasonable. Most people want to get to the middle somewhere. They want to have the compromise. And that's I, that I, mean, I disagree that most people want to get to the middle on, a, on an issue like abortion. I think every, most people are pretty much supportive of it. Uh, no, well, again, I, I think I don't think most people are supportive of the I mean, covered look at, bill. Look at look at uh, look at Kansas. They just voted uh, Kansas voted an eighteen percent margin to keep uh, to keep abortion uh, Roe v. Wade the law the law, law of the land. So I mean, I think people are pretty settled on it. It seems like the Supreme Court acted, you know, in states best, uh, you know, for states' rights, but uh, against the will of the people, and definitely against the will of people that would vote vote for you in this election. Uh, well, I I disagree. I I think most people, like I said. Um, there is a level, right? I think most people who want to have this um, compromise, it seems to be around the 15 weeks and seems to be safe, legal, safe, and rare, right? That's how it was supposed to be. Right. And that's not how it is now, right? We're using it as a contraceptive, right? We're like, hey, listen, I didn't really want this. But again, to me, the bigger, the, one of the bigger issues is how uh, the narrative changes, how we're calling a, fe- a fetus a parasite, Right. That 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 crazy that's crazy to me, right? Uh, how uh, hey, listen, it can't survive outside the womb, or it needs resources, so we're not going to do something. And here's here's one of the big things that I think that gets overlooked, right? Is we just shut down the world for almost two years. We spent trillions of dollars, put companies out of business to save lives, but we don't have the the willpower to figure out a better way to deal with this, right? If, if, if it's a financial thing, can we do things? Can we come up with things? Can we think better? And I think that's the thing is we need to have these discussions. We just can't do these ad hominem attacks, right? What we need to do is say, hey, listen, there's this, there's this, there's this. Can the government actually support, like, hey, there's people that financially can't take care of these, chi- uh, these children, right, that are going to be born. 
we'll pay for this, we'll pay for that, we'll find uh, adoption services, churches can help, we can do this, we can do these uh, things. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the adoption uh, system right now is, is, is fully prepared for the influx sure. of, of fully uh, sure, because, more babies. Sure, but... That's because we don't put the money in it. But uh, so, you, so, so you want more? You want more state funding for for social programs? Well, like like I said, is is we just shut down the world to save people's lives? So why can't we spend some money to save children's lives? And I think people. What I'm hearing out of, out of you, uh, Justin, is, I, and I, I'm very impressed, is that you're willing to you're saying, look, I, I'm for the sanctity of life, and where it needs to be supported, I'll support the money for it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's. Um, I think that's a very important decision. Let's take one more break. Why should you download the?